Hello and welcome to UCLA Radio. You're listening to The Deep End Theory with Leslie Snipes and Valide. Today we are joined with Craig Williams from Understated. He's playing this Friday. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks for having us. We appreciate you coming on. Um, Craig is originally from Australia. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Been over here in the States, living in LA for like about seven years now. Yeah, so let's let's start off with that. Um, how how did how did things begin for you? How did your career like where where did things started to uh, materialize for you? Uh, so I in Australia, it's pretty dance music's pretty much all over the place. It's as it's getting to in the states now. It's it's been like that in Australia for a while, and I used to work with a couple of guys that just listened to dance music all the time so i grew up with that and i grew up playing in bands and stuff like that and then when i was in the army for a little bit i started djing but i felt very like it felt like a bit of a fraud just djing music i wanted to make music because i come from a, a playing background so that's why i started into production dabbled a little bit it was always pretty terrible sort of stuff but as with everything you stick to it and you sort of get better and better and now i'm uh, it just kept going and uh, yeah moved over to the states and and made a real go of it wow so i mean seems like you've had a very established career here but i want to quickly just go back to the point where you said you were in the mil- military so is that like a required thing of australia or do you just uh was was there a particular circumstance you went into that direction it was more just i just wanted to do something that i couldn't do in like as a normal job sort of thing so I started as infantry and ended up in mortar platoon. So that's like drop a bomb down a tube and it shoots off. And then I was like, okay, kind of had enough of this. And and then a couple of my friends were crew chiefs on Blackhawks. So then I did the training and became a crew chief on Blackhawks. So I was like the, the door gunner slash guy in charge of the back. And uh, did that for a couple of years and then had a couple of close calls and kind of was like, okay, this I've had enough of this, and then got out of that and became a rescue crewman on the ambulance helicopter in Sydney. Ah. So probably just as a dangerous job sort of thing. You probably see all sorts of crap there. Oh, uh, yeah. It was like I saw a small amount of like messed up stuff in the army, and then when you go to the ambulance, because you, you know, a lot of the times you're the first person on the ground. So, yeah, a lot of kind of crazy stuff <laughs> yeah i have a friend that who's an emt and he's always just you should see a snapchat man oh my god I, <laughs> yeah well i have my old phone when i lived in australia was full 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 of stuff <laughs> and the, like my wife she's a she's a doctor we could show each other but then our friends yeah. who weren't in the medical field would be like oh show us and we're like mm, no yeah you don't really want to see <laughs> <this."> <laughs> Yeah. And so how did you get started with music, like being in the military? What's the backstory behind that? So I, I grew up playing in some like really shitty teenage bands. Um, just play, I played bass guitar and a bit of guitar and was doing that. And then when I was in the military, I was still playing in some bands. But then the more and more I'd go out, I was just like, I kind of was going towards more like dance music. And I grew up with it. Like when I was, uh, before I joined the army, I was like really entrenched in me to, to like listening to dance music. So that's why I went sort of back to that and started DJing a bit more and stuff like that. 
and it's a lot easier to like when you've got five people in a band there's like people are always fighting over just trivial stuff but <laughs> when you dj by yourself it's just you just turn up and have Do a good whatever. time yeah yeah that's awesome um so you had a ep that came out in january yep. last moment uh, and it sort of has this like kind of dark techno-y kind of vibe but i feel like there's there's still some like house influences in a lot of your music too it's like um yeah i, I try and take from a bit of the old school with the with especially the way that i work i work with a lot of i don't so much work in the computer with programs i i kind of jam out because i've come from that music background i'll have machines like drum machines and synths and i'll kind of jam out as a one-man band sort of by myself and then uh, and then get ideas from it that way and uh i try and pull from old school chicago house and, and detroit techno sort of vibe with that and i i think that i i try and make it come through but th those guys are were doing it for a long long time so yeah it definitely does come through which which track are you most proud of off that ep um i don't know like i i i feel like the one that kind of took the most work which sounds really good is the one with um with the vocal the with the philosopher's girl on it yeah because she is just getting into production and trying to get trying to talk her through how to record a vocal was and with her obviously being japanese as well the translation and everything like that it took a took a fair bit of work to get that to sort of work but i think it come out pretty good in the end i assume you started out with like rock and stuff like that and then what what sparked your interest in electronic music specifically was it mainly just going to clubs or uh, yeah mostly going to clubs I, I would go to a couple of raves when i was younger i used to work with a guy at a bakery who was hardcore raver like he would go on holiday for a week and that's all he would do he would just go to clubs every day for the whole time that he was on his week off and come back to work completely just not in a good way at all <laughs> so but yeah that, that was where it sort of started and uh and definitely the the i gravitate more to the, like the, the darker sort of music i still love like house music that get like makes you want to dance and stuff like that and i try and sort of keep that in in the songs but Definitely for me, I love hearing sort of the darker stuff. And so uh, from the perspective of like the States, we hear that a lot of like Australians are into uh, hard style. Um, and I was just wondering like it, how how popular is hard style there? They, they have a big festival there, De uh, Defcon or yeah, something yeah. like that. I like I that's not really my vibe so yeah. <laughs> I've I I don't know actually how big it is either, yeah. <laughs> yeah to be honest we feel the same way <laughs> yeah it's uh it's crazy pe I've had people play the music for me and I it's like it's just too full on yeah like I'm like how how do you dance to this it's, it's kind of <laughs> crazy but people dig it and and more power to them like if you find something that you yeah. dig so yeah it's funny how just like one nation just like it, it's known to like gravitate towards just that one style of music which is kind of kind of it's an anomaly it seems and so it's interesting to see that yeah form and so what do you like most about the underground scene in LA uh, or anywhere but the thing that I, I like is it just allows people to sort of do like people will take more chances with underground music and and um 
and club nights and stuff like that. Because if you have bigger events, especially if it's a bottle service club, you hear about these DJs getting pulled off the decks and stuff like that. And you're like, uh, people there, like they're providing a service sort of thing. So with underground clubs, people sort of know what they're getting into beforehand. They know who's coming and stuff like that. And I feel like people are there more for the music rather than the scene or whatever. Or the, the girls and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can still go there and have a good time and stuff like that. Yeah. But like hearing like crazy stories like Dead Mouse playing, he was playing too much techno and someone just come out and just started throwing money at him to play like Bon Jovi and stuff like that. It's like, uh, okay. If you just want a jukebox, just get a jukebox. But <laughs> That would drive me absolutely mad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Especially if you're dead mouse, like. <laughs> yeah. So in your like production, when I looked at your YouTube, there was a lot of like there were a few videos and the tutorials that I saw, and so I was wondering how you got into that. What inspired you to make the videos? Well, I, I know for myself, it was like the bell curve of learning how to make music was pretty steep, and I felt uh, if I could help some people, sort of on their way to get the sounds out of their head and into the air sort of thing so sort of realize what they're trying to do i just lend a hand when i could and and it's also it's like really good promotion and stuff like that the only thing was the amount of hate mail you get just started to outweigh the wanting to do the videos continually so that's why i just stepped away from it a little bit this is the internet being the internet uh youtube is like ripe (laughs) what's the worst thing anyone's ever said to you uh just about like a little detail that you had in your production? It was or? like one thing I was showing how to make like a synth patch and I thought I pushed like it had like a bypass for something but I didn't click it properly so it was still <laughs> on and, and and people were sending me emails like flat out going, you're an effing idiot and blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry that I'm, yeah. It's just The internet will take everything to the extreme. I know. <laughs> it's like- um, so you have this track called Worlds Collide. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about the vocal on it because the vocal is really interesting. It's this guy talking about like the art of DJing and how like, you know, DJ is supposed to take you on a journey. But then he's also talking about how like music festivals are awesome and how, you know, the main stage is still super fun. And all. Did you, did you have, do you have any idea who it is or not? I have no idea who that is. It was actually recorded here in LA in Hollywood during an IMS, the um, electronic music conference they do where Pete Tong hosts it and stuff like that. And it was P. Diddy. That's really? his voice. That's P. Diddy's wow. voice? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I thought it he, sounds I thought, like he goes to festivals and like hangs up. Yeah, like that whole piece is huge. It's like an hour and something where they're asking. It was him and Guy Gerber together because they did that project together. And uh, and I was I was sitting in the audience and I was like oh yeah I'm gonna sample this <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to sit and wait until they put it on YouTube and then I pulled it off and and, <laughs> and that's why it's called Worlds Collide I'm guessing because it's yeah. like P Diddy talking about EDM yeah oh that's perfect yeah I heard I I was listening to that and I was like God this guy is like just going on I was and so on about bummed that I thought that track was gonna do a lot better than what it did and it just it did okay, but it wasn't like, oh, I thought it was going to be like, wow. I thought I was waiting for that cease and desist, really. I just wanted that. <laughs> I just wanted that off him, like signed by his legal team or something like that. 
So how do you usually work with vocals, like in in tracks, if you're not going to sample them? Um, most for the last, like a lot of the, if I find a sample of like a super old like interview or something, I'll I'll kind of save it and then have like a folder of them. You just library them and yeah. But then for majority of the my my newer stuff, it's just I just work with vocalists now, ah. which makes a can make it a, it's a lot easier because you know okay we don't have to worry about licensing or anything right. like that yeah but then you could go to work with someone and it just doesn't click and you're like uh, okay let's go and try and find someone else and stuff like that so is it often where sometimes things just don't fall through or it's sometimes like i i did a track with um this one group and it worked really well and we and we worked really well and they were super pro they come in it was like one day they knocked the whole vocal out they wrote the whole thing and it was like i was like wow this is phenomenal and i sent them another idea they were super jammed on it and then they're just like nothing is working and i'm like okay cool that, that's how it goes you just like, scrap it no i i i took the song and gave it to another friend ah, and then okay. she did a vocal on it okay like Sometimes people hear something in it and they can write something to it, but other times it just it just doesn't work. So I'm not going to be like, oh, I hate you or whatever. It's just, okay, sweet. Just move on and yeah. find someone else to, to fit the record. Not going to go the YouTube hate mail route in real <laughs> life. <laughs> cool. And so, like, um, I was wondering, what has your, like, production style, how, how has that changed over the years or if it has changed? I think... When I started out, when I very, very first started out, it was very like experimental because I was kind of like, let's just plug my bass guitar in, let's just try this and just like playing around with everything. And then once I kind of got, I was like, okay, this is sort of more like what dance music needs to be. And it was all in the box pretty much. And then as I slowly like started to get more and more gear, it's that's pretty much how it's shaped how i make music and whatnot um it's i can kind of just look at all the the pieces of gear that i have as as like a color palette and i go okay cool okay let's try and take something from this drum machine and then let's take something from this synthesizer and stuff like that and then i can start to build like a painter would paint i'd start to build this um section i'll just have like 32 bars of music going and then once I'm happy, I'm like, okay, cool. And if you can see on my Instagram, it's a lot of me jamming out. And that's what I do. I just jam out for like an hour and I'm like, cool, I've got some good ideas. And then I'll just start recording everything in. Once I've got all the audio in, I'll just, it's then editing what doesn't work, what works, and then going from there sort of thing. And are there particular habits or techniques that you use? I mean, you're a military guy. I'm guessing you have some... It's, my my sessions everyone that comes is like okay this is very militant all of my sessions are named they're all colored ah, the same there we go everything is like there's n there's no like oh that doesn't do anything just leave it there it's yeah. everything is there for a purpose and that is it it's like very clean session by the yeah. by the time it gets towards the end yeah a yeah. little ocd borderline <laughs> yeah yeah i would agree with that yeah <laughs> And what's your number one advice to people that are looking to, you know, start producing or start DJing? Because a large portion of our audience, they're actively trying to either DJ or produce. I mean, DJing is, 
play as many friends' birthday, like friends' parties and, and everything you can and, and play as much as you can at home. With production, at the start, it's going to suck. The music is all going to suck. You might have like a couple of breakthroughs, but it's just persistence and just getting like doing more and more and not just oh cool i've made a cool eight bar loop that sounds really good like fully finished songs because the lessons you learn at the end when you're mixing down a song to get it to sound good is just as important as finding the right kick drum and the right hi-hat so all the lessons that you learn when you make a song are all just as important as each other but it I must admit for myself, it is super fun to start an idea and you can get super hyped on something. And then the last sort of fifth or quarter of the production is just like kind of a drag because it's like, okay, got to get everything to work. But you just get faster at it. The more you do, you just get faster. And and I think uh, like Brian Eno said, he goes, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill. Once you get to that point, the music would just take over and that boulder would just start running away and you just have to keep up with it and trying to work as fast as you can. Interesting. That's an interesting perspective on that. I also feel like there's a lot of parallels in creating a mix too um, in terms of just like how you design your set from the playlist all the way to like the, the creativity and the transitions. Um, I was wondering if you have any any favorite techniques or tricks that you like to use for mixes um like any you might pull out this friday uh what i have been doing lately is just finding old tracks and making edits of them that kind of beef them up a bit more because the old tracks from like the 80s and 90s can be a little thin yeah and they and when you play them against something else it doesn't really translate but what i'll go is i'll go put the song into ableton warp it so it's it's all nice and on time and then just play my drum, one of my drum machines over the top, record that and then sort of mix them together and then I've got my own like little re-rub edit of it. Nice. So it's like having people like, oh, I know that song. What's that? What what version is that? And yeah. you're like, oh yeah, that's one of my ones. <laughs> so, yeah. You're not Unreleased ID. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I'm going to go home and try that. Because it, we live in a world where at the moment everyone has everything. Yeah. So you kind of have to do these little things to sort of stand out a little bit more when you're DJing and stuff like that. A little flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And what type of uh, set can listeners expect on Friday? Probably from looking at the the lineup, probably be a little bit more housey, um, but still going to be plenty of like uh, good techno tunes good in there dark as well. vibes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Please bring this. <laughs> <laughs> And like some, we always say that, you know, not everyone listening may, might be aware of the warehouse scene. Um, so like if you had to describe the warehouse scene in LA or why it's worth going to, what would you say to someone? It's, why should they check it out? It's, uh, it's, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. You don't have to worry about wearing the cool stuff or being the cool person or anything like that. 99% of the people are just there for the music and that's it. They don't care what you look like or how you dance or what you're drinking or whatever. If you're just there and you're just having a good time, everyone's all about that. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that 
the warehouse scene in LA is one of the more unique things LA has to offer in general. And I, I think that it's sort of where the original idea behind electronic music still lives. Yeah. Um, we're like, you know, everything's open. Everyone's welcome. It's not like, it's not about status or whatever. It's literally just about the tunes and dancing and having a good time. Yeah. Like I remember I went and saw it's, I went and saw Daniel Avery play. It was like a couple of months ago now. I was at the end of last year. And the place was so black. It was so dark in there that you couldn't even see like five foot in front of you anyway. So <laughs> someone could have been like fully nude and you're not going to be able to see them because it's so dark in there. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes people dress a little dicey and it's dark <laughs> yeah. enough that it doesn't really matter. No. So it's all in good fun. Yeah, uh, we have a mix coming up. We're wrapping up, but just a quick question. We ask this to everyone who comes through, but what's one of the, the biggest mishaps you've ever dealt with during a live set? Or do you have any notable ones? I've had CDJs stop in the middle, like in the middle of By my themselves. set. Yeah, like just it was an outdoor festival and the sun had just been beating on them. And I don't know what happened. Like I was looking... Had to do like a little restart and then quickly like oh, wow. it was on CDs. Had to switch the CD like over to the other one and just lost the CD that was in that CDJ. Huh. So, oh wow. Yeah. That's a common thread. Amtrak had the same problem. He was out outdoors too. Yeah. Interesting. It just gets beaten down. Yeah, pioneer man. Yep. <laughs> Gotta step up your game. You need to waterproof those things. Yeah. Sunproof them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're nearly subjected to everything. They got the snow. Yeah. They get rain, like the sun, everything. You see the ones that come back from uh, Burning Man. Ooh. And they're just like covered yeah. in dust. Yeah, they're just black. Oh, and, and the nooks like, and crannies. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's funny. Um, well, yeah, again, the event is this Friday, Understated 006. Uh, the lineup's going to be the, you know, the Understated crew, Hannah Monica, Micah Smith, uh, Monshaw Fraser, Craig Williams, LA Riots, and then uh, Kevin Knapp. Kevin Knapp. Yeah, the secret guest. They, yeah. find, they announced the secret guest Not before so the secret. event this time. Uh, first time. Yeah, first time. Um, Interesting. So if you haven't checked out a warehouse event, this is the go-to one in my book. So Definitely check it out. It's great vibes. Craig will be throwing down some super dark, housey vibes. Um, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having we'll, us. Uh, we'll chat after the mix, but um, enjoy.
Tempo has reached critical level. 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 Tempo has reached
Yeah.